I think it was just over a week ago when my wife Meg first came to me and said, Hey, Kevin, I'm thinking about getting a bird feeder. I said, Oh, okay, bird feeder. Sure, we don't have any bird feeders at our house. So I thought, Sure, why not? Well, I, something about that captured me. And so I went to Lowe's like the next day. And I was at Lowe's getting pretty excited about bird feeders. I'm in the bird feeder aisle, and there are so many choices. And I realized very quickly, I know nothing about bird feeders. So I'm sitting there, overwhelmed at the bird seed, overwhelmed at the different types of bird feeders. So I did what most of us do. You call or contact someone who knows a little more about it than you do. So I texted Allison. Allison, you love bird feeders. I just said, tell me about bird feeders. She responded, why? <laughs> That's a good response. <laughs> so uh, about 50 texts later, all going back and forth while she's caring for her like 30 kids at home, right? And uh, finally, I feel like I am prepared now. You know, pictures have gone back and forth of different types and go for the better quality and all this stuff. I was in Lowe's for two hours. <laughs> Verify it with Meg. <laughs> I was gone for two hours on this bird feeder adventure. I got the best seed. I got two of the best bird feeders you could find. So uh, it was a rainy day. I went home and I was just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, there's a break in the rain. So what do I do? I go out and I install and put these bird feeders out there. Now, did you know? Because I didn't just over a week ago. You have to make sure there's clearance for the birds. It has to be safe for them to land. It has to be a certain distance from any obstruction. So I'm out there with a tape measure. <laughs> and I am making sure that these are the optimal and the best bird feeders with the best seed and the best location. And everything has been perfectly arranged. I have done everything possible to give these birds life. But it's up to them to come. And so I'm sitting inside now, and I am watching these bird feeders like a hawk. Bad imagery. I probably shouldn't have watched them like a hawk because they weren't coming. Where are they? Where are the birds? My kids are like screaming and crying because they're hungry. I said, figure it out. I'm watching for the birds. And they're not coming. I even, uh, it got a little crazy over at the parsonage next door. I saw some birds on the ground. They're hopping along, you know, it was a fresh rain, but they're working hard trying to find food. I say, hey, it's right there. It's right there. I go out there, I start trying to talk to them. I start trying to guide them, follow me to the bird feeders. They just flew away. So I decided, it turns out, you cannot force the birds to come and taste and see that the bird seed is good. I did everything in my substantial power for them. But they have to make the choice for themselves. These birds have no idea how much I care about them <laughs> with a weak old love. <laughs> if only they could know. And if I care this deeply about the birds, 
consider how deeply our God cares for us on this Easter Sunday as we reflect on the great sacrifice and victory of our Savior, all out of the depth of his love for us and his desire to give us life and freedom from sin and death. Easter shows us. Jesus did absolutely everything possible to offer us this gift of life. He did all the heavy lifting, went to the most extreme of measures. He bore the greatest burden. He suffered more than any of us can even fathom all so that our suffering, our pain, our tears, our sadness, all the brokenness in this entire world, which is a result of sin, will meet its end. I am willing to bet if you're in this space today, you at some point in your life have, have a general idea you've learned about the Easter story. You've learned about this most amazing of accounts that happened to a real man in a real place on a real cross all those years ago. We know the what of Easter typically if you live in this area. But whether or not we believe it is another story. So today, let's be reminded not just about what it is, we will spend time on that, but primarily why all of this matters. We've been in a series called Follow Me. We've gone through the gospel according to Mark, one chapter at a time, and we've been going and going and going, and here we meet its end. Mark 16, follow me. We have one more instruction on how to follow him. Let's go to it together today. Our text is Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. There's a lot of interesting dialogue about when Mark actually ends. We're not getting into that today, but it's a fun extra credit research assignment for you if you so choose. But today, let's go to God's true word, Mark 16, verses 1 through 8. Now, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on, the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were all on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And so as they entered the tomb, they saw this young man dressed in a white robe and sitting on the, the right side. They were, they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples. Oh, and Peter, he is going, Jesus is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So trembling and bewildered, the women went out. They fled from the tomb. Oh, but they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Thank you, Lord, for your true word. These women are grieving. 
You're familiar with grief. All-encompassing, all-consuming, lowest of lows, places that you go to. These women are grieving. They're feeling the deepest pain you can feel, the loss of someone they dearly loved, who was unjustly and brutally killed before them. A mother goes to the grave of her son. Another, a mom of two of the disciples who had abandoned Jesus, and a woman previously possessed by demons and at the words of Jesus had been set free, together now go to the tomb. And in the midst of this grief and this anger and this pain and this confusion, they also still have to deal with just the difficulties of life as they arise each and every day. Today's difficulties, who's going to roll away that stone? It's huge. We're not strong enough. How could we do that? And also, by the way, they placed guards outside this tomb. How's that going to go down? They just want to pay their respects to Jesus. It's akin to us bringing flowers to a gravestone. They want to pay respects to Jesus, but there's these real obstacles in the way. And so they arrive. And, and where are the guards? They don't see him. And that stone, that huge stone that stood between us and Jesus, is, it's rolled away. But instead of being relieved, turns out they're further confused and afraid. What has happened? And then they receive the absolute best news there is. This Jesus of whom you seek is not here. He is risen. Now go and tell others of what he has done. And at the most amazing news, the best news you could ever fathom receiving, the women respond with trembling and bewilderment. Did not go as we expected, did it? But isn't that such a beautiful human reaction? Think about it. Hey, you're cancer-free. You respond with trembling and bewilderment. You won the lottery! <laughs> trembling and bewilderment. There's a bird on the bird feeder! <laughs> trembling and bewilderment. But even deeper than that, the text says they were afraid. They were afraid. They were afraid to the point they were paralyzed in their fear and they didn't go and share like the angel had instructed them to. If an angel tells you to do something, what do you think you're going to do? You want to say you'll do it, right? This is an angel, man. But they were afraid to the point of being paralyzed. Maybe you have heard this best news before that Jesus Christ is risen, that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that Jesus Christ rising from the dead offers you new life, eternal life, forever life, free from the penalty and the pain and the death of sin. But maybe like these women, you're afraid. Or maybe you're bewildered. Or perhaps you're uncertain. Maybe you have heard Easter messages throughout your entire life. You maybe have heard more Easter messages than I ever have. And you just don't quite get why this message matters specifically for you. 
you're not just here because your family member forced you to come today. You're not just here because it's just what you do on Easter. You're here because the Savior of the world, the creator of the universe, the source and definition of love, loves you to the very end and longs to be in your life to give you purpose and meaning and peace and the assurance you so desperately long for. You are here because you have been, he has been chasing after you all of your days to give you the very thing that your soul craves. You are here because Jesus Christ went from cradle to the grave and now stands alive and victorious, inviting you to follow him on the journey of a lifetime. And that journey is the very journey from death to life. Follow me, he says. Say say it with me. Follow me. Follow me. Let's ground ourselves in some gospel truths this morning. For some of you need these reminders. Others of us, it's my prayer that you come to believe this for the very first time today. That it goes from something you just think about occasionally to something that you believe in your innermost being. Why believe in Jesus? First, just look at this world. Look around. There's so much darkness. There's so much brokenness. There's so much pain and sorrow and sadness. And yet what happens each morning? The sun still rises. What happens in the midst of all the darkness is that eventually, occasionally, that light, it breaks through. What happens as we go through this world is that we discover glimpses of beauty in the midst of the muck. Why do we believe? Because we believe that we are not the result of some massive galactic accident. We were created by and for divine purpose by the one true God who holds it all together. We believe in Jesus because the resurrection proves he keeps his word. We believe in Jesus because if he can conquer death, he can do anything. We believe in Jesus because we've come to realize for ourselves he is indeed the way, the truth, and the life. With that, then why did he have to die? Because God saw the corruption. He saw the destruction of sin. He saw the gulf it created between the perfect God and the broken and sinful humankind. But because God is even more amazing than we can ever comprehend or fathom, compelled by love, he sent his son to become sin. He sent his son to become the thing he hates, sin. And Jesus didn't do it begrudgingly. He willingly took that journey because that same love compelled him all the way to the cross. The night he was betrayed, as his disciples were gathering around for that last supper and everything to, to, to start to culminate at the cross, the text tells us he stood back and he looked upon his disciples and he loved them to the very end. 
He looks at you. He loves you to the very end. He went to the cross for you. He became sin. He buried it in the ground. He rose again victorious. And none of us, none of us can save ourselves from our sin. Only God can. And he did. And he did. Now sin, sin has to be punished. The highest level of law and order (laughs) demands it. It must be punished for it is rebellion against the one true God Almighty. But because of how great our God is, Jesus died in our place to give sin its just punishment. He said, I love you so much. While I must punish sin, I'm not going to punish you. I'm going to give you a way out. I'll bear the punishment for you so that you can live as I long for you to live with me forever in wholeness. Because death could not hold him. We stand here today to proclaim that Jesus Christ is real. Jesus Christ is all-powerful. Jesus is our Lord. He is our Savior. Jesus is alive. So why does his death and resurrection matter for for me? For me, this this little pew sitter right here that's just kind of here today on this Easter day, why does it matter for me? Because Jesus loves you so much that, that there is someone in this world who knows how to love you perfectly. See, if sin demands punishment, if it's active rebellion against God, And the punishment for that sin is banishment from God forevermore. Well, we we know sin affects us all. We don't have to look far to realize none of us are perfect. But though Jesus didn't have to, because of who he is, because of his great love, for you, God endured more suffering than any of us will ever go through. And I don't say that minimizing your suffering. I say that with a full awareness of how deeply challenging this life is. You suffer. You have sorrows. You have pains. And yet, even still, God has endured even more suffering than any of us will ever go through so that your suffering will have its end. Why does death and resurrection matter for me? Because Jesus loves you so much. He is the one who can love you perfectly And it's in his perfect love that he offers you life, a beautiful life, a purposeful life with strength, with care, with compassion, with support through the journey to carry you through all of life's ups and many, many, many downs. Don't we all know in our most honest moments that things are not right in this world? Whether you've come to believe God or not yet, can't you just see how broken everything is? Things are not right. Things are not right in our souls. Sin breaks and corrupts absolutely everything. And only Jesus can make us whole. Only Jesus can save us. Only Jesus can grant us eternal life. Why follow him? Because nothing in this world makes sense absent from him. But if you accept this truth, the truth, then you may boast 
that the creator and the savior of the world died for you and rose again victorious and invites you to follow him and accept the invitation of a lifetime. That's what we celebrated in our sister Katie today. She took that step. She saw a God who loved her perfectly and said, yeah, I'm broken, but I long to be whole and you're the only one who can. So with fear and trembling and bewilderment, I'm stepping. I'm trusting this guy to dunk me and to be able to bring me back up. By the grace of God, she is here and proclaiming him as Lord and Savior today. To follow him is to gain your life and to gain your salvation, yes, for all of eternity, but even right here and right now as you journey through this difficult journey of the world. Every single day we wake with a choice. Will I follow Jesus or not? Will I follow Jesus or not? Now, none of us are perfect. Praise God that the perfect one is with us to guide us and sustain us, to forgive us, to pick us up, to encourage us. But each day, will I take a step toward Jesus or not? And maybe you, hearing that question today, find yourself in the place as as the woman at the tomb, trembling, bewildered, afraid. And you have a million questions. And you have doubts. And you want to step towards Jesus. You just don't know if you can. You have that question still. You have that hurt still. You have that thing just stopping you still. It's a scary step. It's like that first step off the ledge of a zip line. Anyone zip line here before? It's terrifying. There you go. Yeah. You're standing there with this tiny little harness you trusted some 20-year-old tying a knot on you. Like, yeah, that's going to hold. I'm about to just go. And hopefully not splat. (laughs) It's a scary step, that first step off the zip line. Here's the thing about these women at the tomb. While they were afraid, and yes, Gospel according to Mark tells us temporarily, these women didn't say anything to anyone, for they were afraid. We know from the other Gospels, that they stepped through that fear. They stepped through their confusion. They stepped through all their bewilderment, all the questions they had, through their trembling, and they went and shared the good news with others anyway. They did not let go of all those things. They felt all of them at the same time, but they stepped forward anyway. Just like that first step off that zip line. To step toward Jesus, it's to step off the ledge. The ledge, ooh, it's nice on the ledge your safety, right? It's your security. On that ledge, I feel in complete control. I'm good here. I'm good. That looks kind of awesome to go on this journey, but I think I'm good with how things are. And as you're sitting on that ledge, you know what the world's going to tell you? You should have control of everything. Why not? Make your own path. Have your own truth. Be your own way. It's your life. That, my friends, is all a lie. It's impossible. Have you ever tried to control, like, a toddler? You can't have control. You can't control everything. We can't. Control freaks, I am one of them, believe me, recovering always and forever. 
You cannot, no matter how hard you try, control everything. Things will happen in your life that will be completely out of your control. That's the world. What will the enemy, because there is a real enemy, he's also called the father of lies. I also like to call him the defeated one. Because what happened on that cross, yeah, Satan may have rejoiced for a second thinking he had the victory. Oh no, he had his death blow. And he is bleeding out here and now until Jesus comes again to firmly and finally without any question crush him. He's the defeated one. The enemy, that one, the defeated one, the one we speak against and deny today, the defeated one, the father of lies is going to tell you that ledge, that's all you need. Life is hard, but it's okay. I got my hobbies. I got, I got things I like up here. In fact, the enemy is going to tell you, just stay where you are. Be in control of what you can be in control of. Be the king or queen of that ledge. Stay where you are. Live in the fog. Never seen where the journey might take you. Because we know the reality is that ledge will ultimately lead to your death. The reality is we were made for so much more than a ledge. Your flesh, your humanity is going to tell you it's way too scary to step off. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't take that step. It's too scary. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where it's going to go. I'm not sure what it's going to mean. So I have all these questions. I still have all these doubts. I just don't know. I don't know if I can do it. But when you step off and you take a step towards Jesus, you find that like a harness, Jesus will hold you. He will guide you. He will support you. He will lead you toward your purpose and the life-giving path he has laid out for you. You will find, like the birds, you were made to soar and not on your own power. No, not on your own power, but God's divine power who will raise you up on eagle's wings. You were made to soar. Will you follow him? Will you follow him? Will you follow him or will you stay on that ledge? There is so much more. Take that first step. Take that first step. And then what do we do after we take that first step? With trembling and bewilderment, we take the next. And sometimes, sometimes we want to take a giant step. Sometimes it's like, all right. (laughs) Okay, here I am, God. Here we go. But guess what? Every single day, made up of tiny, tiny, minuscule mustard seed, faith-filled steps. You will get to the end of your life and you will look back and you will see God's abundant faithfulness through it all as he has brought you exactly where he has planned for you to be and as you enter glory forevermore. That is what it means to follow Jesus, to take a million tiny faith-filled steps every day, some in the wrong direction and then some getting us back on the path as we seek the Holy Spirit's guidance. And we will find, as we look back, that we chose to follow Jesus. That very first step off the ledge, he carried us through. We see a life of God's faithfulness. So what is your step today? For all of us here, 
we are compelled by the good news of Jesus Christ to take a step toward God. So the first one off the ledge for you, take it. Praise God, take it. If it's a recalibrating, direct course controlling step or correcting step, take it. Take it today. Why? Because a step away from him is a step toward death. A step toward him is a step toward life. He says, follow. Follow me. And we will follow. He will lead the way. His truth will set you free. You will inherit eternal life. Part of me wants to end the message there. It's a good place to end. It's where we typically would end the message. But I know how hard this journey is. I know it personally for myself. Each one of you who have stepped off the ledge know how hard it is. So maybe you are still listening to this and you feel like, yeah, that's great. You're as close as you've ever been to taking that step, but there's still something holding you back. Reality? There will always be something holding you back. Faith is to step forward anyway. The only thing required of us to do is faith. They call it, after all, a step of faith. We like to say leap, but if you've been on a zipline, some jump off. You're bewildered and you're trembling. It's the, okay, <laughs> right? It's a step of faith. But Easter shows us that Jesus does all the heavy lifting. And he invites you to follow him. Put your faith in him. Okay, but Kevin, I don't feel worthy. You don't know what I've done. You don't know my filth and my shame. And you're absolutely right. I have no idea what you have done. I have no idea what you've been through. I have no idea your past and your pains, and the hurt you've endured, and the hurt you've called others. But Jesus Christ does. He knows it all. In fact, he went to the cross for you anyway. He knew it all. You can't hide from him. He knows it all. In fact, he went to the cross because of that sin, and that hurt, and that pain. He went to the cross because he longs to free you of those chains. None of us, none of us, None of us are worthy. We follow precisely because there's only one who is worthy, which means there's only one worthy to follow, and it's Jesus Christ. Think of Peter. You guys know Peter. Bold, courageous in the faith, often misstepping, and, and Jesus bringing him back, courageously says to Jesus, I will never abandon you. Even if everyone else falls away, I will not and what do we know? Three times he boldly and definitively denied Jesus and abandoned him in Jesus' greatest time of need. And yet, in our text today, the angel made special mention of Peter to show. In spite of Peter's denials, Jesus had not disowned or deserted him. No, in fact, Jesus had great responsibilities for Peter to fulfill in the church that was not even yet in existence. God doesn't ask you to have it all together. He asks you right here, right where you are, just as you are, to follow him. Or maybe you think, well, if I follow Jesus, I have to give up all this cool stuff I get to do. 
that following Jesus is like a somber experience, or it means you're giving up all the good stuff in life, or that it, you have to follow all these rules and embrace the boring path. Now, here's the deal. Following Jesus brings a lot of sacrifice. No doubt. No doubt. Absolutely. But aren't all things worth doing required, require sacrifice? The road isn't easy, but what path through life is? Happiness is fleeting, but joy will last forever. And joy can only be found in one place. It's found in a person. It's found in Jesus alone. In fact, while the path is very difficult and in some ways harder, as we talked about with Katie's baptism, you will find that to follow Jesus is to join in a joy-filled caravan of a lifetime. Still challenging, but now you have a joy and a peace that transcends all understanding as you live now with a mission and a purpose. Or maybe you want to step towards God, but you are just so angry. Maybe even just angry at God. And you've just been carrying it and carrying it and carrying it. It's your closest friend, though you don't want it to be. So what do we do? We step forward anyway. Because in faith, we, we step forward anyway. We have to do something with our anger. We have to. It will corrode us if we just sit with it. We have to do something with it, with our anger. And if we have faith that God, who is capable of rising from the dead, then we have faith that he is capable of handling our anger. So we take our hurt, our anger, our grief, all of our burdens, and we lay it all out at the feet of Jesus, trusting and believing he can do so much more with those things than if we hold on to them ourselves. Jesus Christ says, he is lowly and gentle in heart. Cast your burdens upon him. His, bur his, his yoke is light. Cast your cares on him because he cares deeply for you. The love and joy and peace and hope we all long for will forever, forever evade us unless we find it in its source, which is Jesus Christ. So as we close, what's your step today? Only you know it. And the spirit that's stirring within you. What's your step today? Don't be like the birds who have no awareness or knowledge of the, the, their Savior. Instead, run toward the one who gives you life. Though sin and pain and suffering are real, Jesus Christ lives. He is real. He is the answer. He is your joy. He is your purpose. He is the Savior. He is alive. He who conquered death is here right now asking you to follow him. He calls out to you, follow me. Repent and believe this good news. And in light of the resurrection, we declare today that to follow him means to go from certain death into abundant life. May this be the day that we all choose to step toward Jesus and embark on the joy-filled caravan of a lifetime. That is our prayer. That is our hope. That is our belief today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Will you please join me in prayer?
Almighty God, we can't, can't help but give you all thanks, honor, and praise today for who you are, for what you have done, what you accomplished on the cross in the empty tomb. When you said, follow me, to those disciples, they had no idea what lay before them. But they followed you anyway. And today, Lord, as you call out again to us, follow me, we have no idea what lays ahead of us. But like those disciples, we long to step forward anyway. We do so today on this side of Easter as Easter people knowing of your good news that transcends all. So now, God, in the silence of our own hearts, we just rest before you to name our next step to you right here and now. And as we name it, Lord, we proclaim that your spirit is present and real and with us. So we pray that we lay down our own will and our own path and we follow after you. You are real. You are alive. You are our everything. We rejoice with you. We love you. We proclaim your good news here and now. And may we proclaim it every day of our lives as we are your hands and feet where you send us to continue your very mission. We love you, God. We pray this all in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.